1: Welcome to CEO Coach. I'm Jillian Music, co-founder of Moz and Brett Approved, and CEO at Outlines Venture Group. I'm also general manager at the Sibilla Masters Fund. I'm here with my friend and colleague Ann Kennedy, my partner at Outlines Venture Group and the Sibilla Masters Fund, and author of Global Search Engine Marketing. Together we're serial entrepreneurs helping online companies to launch, grow, pivot, and thrive. Find out more at OutlinesVenture.com.
2: Hello, Anne, what's on your mind today? Hi, Jillian. Hey, we've got a great guest from your home base, Jillian, Seattle. Uh, Dave Parker is founder of his eponymous, I love saying that word, holding company (laughs) for investing in incubating startups. He is the founder of Six Month Startup Ideation to Revenue, a venture partner at Seven Peaks Ventures based in Bend, Oregon, and he's working on a book, and we'll get more about that later. Because what I really wanted to Uh, have Dave tell us about um, is what I heard when I met him on a pitch judging panel at the University of Washington. And one of the many interesting things that he said that caught my attention is that there are fundamentally only 16 revenue models for a startup to use. So, you know, I asked him if he would come on our show and talk about that yeah brilliant idea Anne so welcome
1: Dave to CEO coach um, I'm delighted that you've uh, agreed to join us and we are eager to hear about the 16 models
3: Happy to happy to join you thanks for the invite and uh, thanks for uh, thanks for having me on from a snowy Seattle today.
1: Yes, it is lots of fun out there. Um, so, yeah, uh, somebody uh, got a hold of me from Boston, and she emailed to say, oh, I saw Seattle on the news today. You guys are having so much fun. I've never seen so many smiling people in snow. Trust me, we don't smile here. <laughs>
2: no, nor nor in Philadelphia, <laughs> where we have some snow, too. Yeah, but out here, we're all kids, yeah. in a, you
1: know, in a place that box. Okay, yeah. so Dave, tell us a little bit about your work with... Startups um, about the uh, six-month startup, uh, uh, you know, program, and then tell us about these models.
3: Yeah, you bet. So, uh, personally, five-time founder, um, sold three, closed two, um, started my first company in 1998, and I kind of look back to to that time and then the startups I've worked with, and as well as the ones i joined. And one of the things that was the big lesson learned through those first five were there were ones that you could do, but didn't answer the question, should you do it or not? So for example, I could build a product. I could make this marketplace work. I could do a startup and hire people, but should you do it? And one of the things that gets left out in that process is uh, people tend to start with a product and then forget about uh, how they deliver value or how they capture value. And when you think about the, the, the business model for startups really has three components, it's how do you create value which is if if you've made this into a Venn, this would be your top circle of the Venn, and you would want a Venn diagram to have three equal parts. The, The top piece of it is really around how do you create value through the product or service? How do you deliver value, which is how do you sell and distribute the product, market, sell, and distribute? And then ultimately, how do you capture value, which is what's the reasonable to exceptional profit that you can make by doing this effort? And for founders, we tend to get augured into the first one, which is how do we create value? Oh my God, I can build this product. It would be amazing. But we tend to forget about the other two pieces, which is how do I deliver the value, sell it, and market it, and, how, and what's my reasonable to exceptional profit? And you, you kind of have to have a thesis on all three parts, at least if you're going to do a business for the long haul. And I know for both of you, that's very much the same thing of how do you help founders kind of look at their idea differently? And it starts off by looking at all three parts of the puzzle, not just the product and service part of the puzzle.
1: That makes very good sense. I think uh, you probably captured it in three words, build, deliver, and profit. And by looking at all three, you can actually create a very valuable and possibly scalable corporation, but that doesn't even answer scalability. So um, how do you incorporate that piece as well, as you work with a lot of founders who are all out there saying, oh, I got to, you know, raise equity.
3: Yeah, what I always tell founders, too, as you know so well, right, your need for capital doesn't mean you have the ability to raise capital. And passion is important, but not sufficient. So you actually need data. So one of the things that you have to look at if you want to build a scalable business that could be venture scale, and there's there's a lot of businesses out there that don't fit the criteria of venture scale, but are great businesses. Um, when somebody says, hey, you're building a lifestyle business that's not meant to be derogatory, it's meant to be an objective view of, hey, it's probably not a ten x that we would look at from a venture investment perspective, but it probably is. It could be a really amazing business. So, I would agree. I,
1: I tend to use the word uh, privately held rather than um, lifestyle at this point because you're right, Dave. Lifestyle kind of says, "Oh, you're making a cottage industry." They could be reasonably scalable. I mean, they they could get quite large, quite profitable, but they're not venture scalable. So just building a company you know you want to hold and keep over the long term, that's a different deal. So I'm going to let you go on Yeah, now.
3: And product and services are way different for that as well, for exactly that same reason. There's, I think there's, you know, when, when I talk to folks in the ecosystem who don't know startups, there's a sense of, well, isn't every startup a small business? And the answer is no. A small business can be um, a local business or geographically constrained company, like a restaurant or, mm-hmm. uh, you know, dry cleaners. Um, and then you have businesses that can be a big business, but aren't going to be necessarily venture scale to your point. They're not going to be, uh, it's, it's a business that you can grow and you can grow with cash flow and it will take time to grow. Those are great businesses because you don't have the, the, oftentimes the conflict of having an outside investor. Uh, one of my favorite Steve Blank quotes was, when you take on venture capital, you take on our revenue model in our business model, which is very true. So mm-hmm. when you take on venture venture capital funds, like the one that I just recently left, it, are focused on a 10 year timeframe with limited partners money. So if I take you as an investor in my fund, I know that I'm communicating to you that there's an expectation that we're gonna exit this portfolio in 10 plus one plus one year, you have two one year options. Mm-hmm. So we want you to exit at the end, by the end of fund life. And that may not always be in line with what you as a business needs to do. So those three categories, local business, I think you saw have a good growth business that's not necessarily venture scale and then a venture scale business. And part of it is if you go back to these, how do you create, deliver and capture value? It, it kind of puts you into the bucket automatically, right? It's kind of one of those, mm-hmm. Hey, what business revenue model should I be in? And is that type of revenue model um, scalable or not from a venture perspective?
1: That makes very good sense. So again, that bears repeating. Answer the question, how do you build, create, and capture value, right? That will answer the question as to whether or not you should be raising equity as your capitalization.
3: For sure. And I think that one of the things that as you answer, again, if you think about it as a Venn diagram, if your cost to build something is really, really um, huge, uh, but you haven't thought about how you're going to sell and market it. So the, the challenge there is that you know, the proverbial, it kind of dates me, I guess, if you build a better mousetrap, people will beat a path to your door. Right. It was, was a way old phrase that people are like, and really, I guess you could say, if you build a better app, people aren't going to find you in the app store. It's the more appropriate way to say it today. <laughs> you have to yes. have the ability to take that product to market and sell it at a reasonable economics, which means you need a marketing strategy. You need a sales strategy. And there's limited, there's tons of options on the marketing side. There's really only four ways to sell a product from a sales perspective. It's direct sales, indirect sales or channel sales, uh, retail sales, and, and web direct, which means somebody is actually searching for you. So in the web direct case, if, if you're building a product that no one's ever seen before, no one's out searching the internet to find it, which means you can't trust inbound to find and sell your product. You have to go outbound. When you have outbound, you need salespeople, right? And that's always one of the challenges of how do you build an outbound sales force around a product that doesn't have good margin, which is part of the challenge of like, oh, we built a product. Nobody knows they were looking for it, sales and marketing. And now our profitability goes way down because we have to hire a ton of salespeople to actually go sell it. So those three things move in unison. There's the cost of building something, the cost of selling it, and ultimately the profitability that goes with that product.
1: That's true, Uh, but it is not entirely impossible to do that either. Uh, For example, the famous quote from Steve Jobs uh, was, if I asked the world what they had wanted, they would have said, you know, better this and that and the next thing, right? They do not know what they want. I mean, Ford said the same thing, right? If I asked the the world what it wanted, they would have said a faster horse. Um, Yeah, that's true. My
3: my grandfather owned a Ford dealership in 1911 before they started the assembly line, and I would tell you that today that quote, completely out of context, is the fact that if nobody can find what you're looking for, you're end up with another dead startup. So the contrasting view there is maybe you're innovative, maybe you're revolutionary, but frankly, if nobody can find you, you're going to be dead. So as a company, and your timing may be off, right? And there's lots of reasons that companies die, but the number one reason companies die, according to the CB Inside data they've been doing every six months now, is people build a product that nobody wants or at least you could say nobody knows they want because they haven't figured out how to sell it. so in any case, I think when you look at the the revenue models, this came up as a process, gosh, probably eight years ago when somebody asked me a question, Hey, can I have your financial model? And I was running a program at the time um, called founder Institute in Seattle, and uh, they were running a marketplace and I was running a subscription business. And my answer was, well, I could give you my financial model, but uh, marketplace is different than, a subscription business. It has different unit economics. It has different ways to sell. Um, So you'll break it and you want me to fix it. So you can have it, but just don't ask me to fix it. So it raised the question, Julian, of like, how many templates would you need to have to like cover 80% of the market? So at the time I went back to Crunchbase before they had their API and said, hey, um, can you guys just run a report for me of every seed-funded company over the last 18 months? And that's turned into now a five-year longitudinal study of 2,600 funded companies, and what were the outcomes of those funded companies? So the first cut of the data we made was, we went back and I hired a team offshore and my my 24-year-old son now, and we went through all of the data and basically categorized all of the companies into what revenue model are they running? Are they a subscription? Are they a marketplace? And we went back through and anytime one of the team put other, I would go um, dig into the company and either send an email to sales or the CEO and say, Hey, I don't need to know your your pricing information, but I want to understand how you're selling it. Are you so- a subscription? Are you a transaction fee? Et cetera.
2: Okay, so we need to take a break uh, for our sponsors so they can have their revenue at at webmasterradio.fm. And so hold that thought, Dave, and when we come back, let's talk about those individual revenue models that you you discovered and uh, qualified for us. This is CEO Coach, and we'll be right back.
0: More on how to get your business on the web with CEO Coach after this. Thanks to an exclusive private offer available for a very limited number of companies. But you must act fast. Email brasco at wmr.fm and get
3: your message delivered now. Rankings. Let top SEOs give you peace of mind. TopSEOs.com, the independent authority on search vendors.
0: We're back with Julian Music and Ann Kennedy on CEO Coach, only on Webmaster Radio.fm.
2: Welcome back to CEO Coach. We're talking today about revenue models with Seattle investor Dave Parker. Uh, before the break, you led us through some really clear. Um, Almost, almost visual ideas of what it takes to create and build a company, to um, create value, and then to ultimately bring it into uh, the part where you actually make some profits, you know, build, deliver, and profit. Now, you were telling us just before the break, Dave, about the um, uh, how you did a lot of research on different revenue models because that's what people were asking you to produce. And so tell us what you found.
3: Yeah, you bet. So the the challenge of the exercise was, it never really started off with, I wonder how many revenue models. It started off with the question of, gosh, how many templates would you need to build to make the financial model templates available to help startups not not have to replicate it and start from a blank flashing cursor on Excel, which is like the most painful thing ever. So the (laughs) the process was, we'll, well, we'll go through it and categorize them how many are there? Like how many are there and what are the main ones and that sort of stuff. So I, we didn't go into it with a, Hey, we need to find the eight biggest or the three most important, or we went through it and said, here's 2,600 funded companies. And now we have of the 2,600, the number that have failed as well. And there's some great anecdotal data about that, but let me walk you through the basics of the of the revenue models. And you can find this at dkparker.com, which is my my site. It's on the top level navigation. We finally just wait, wait, say that again. To say that
1: again, Dave. So, How do people find you?
3: Yeah, it's at, uh, www.dkparker.com, and D- you'll find the revenue models at uh, at the top level navigation. We just promoted it from a blog post to top nav, but so dkparker.com. Excellent. Okay. And, and the startup revenue models, if you, if you go through the – there's a, a deck published there. It's also included on SlideShare. Basically, they fall into um, three categories. The first one is services. So as you guys know, the services business is a great business. It, however, doesn't scale without people. So uh, we included that into the deck because as we talk with folks in six months, startup the program or as we look at rolling this out into other cities, what we find is a services business is a great business and it can be IT services. It could be the restaurant business. It could be any consulting company, but when you add new customers, you ha- have to add new people. So in essence, a, if you think about a scalable business services is a great business. It's just not necessarily a scalable business without people. Then you have 14 product models and those product models work with both business-to-business business and business-to-consumer for the most part. There's some that are exclusively one and the other. So, for example, um, advertising is a business-to-consumer market. Um, I have to joke now that a few years ago when you said, Facebook's free, and the answer is, no, no, you're the customer. Anytime you're free, it's the, you're the customer. And then the last one is one I would call a, a nearly dead model, which 10 years ago you would have looked at and said, oh, that's crazy, software licensing, when will that ever die? And if you look at it today, software licensing has been replaced by subscriptions. So in essence, what you have is the 16 models are kind of outlined there in that deck. So the other thing, um, just, and you know, I highlight kind of the difference between a business model and a revenue model. And I think what's important there to note is that people will confuse these things together and not break them apart into their pieces and chunks. And by breaking them into chunks, you can kind of look at it and go, oh, I understand the business model is the three components of how I build uh, create and capture value. The revenue model is just that. It's how am I going to sell it? Do I sell via subscription? Like in the case of Moz, do I sell via marketplace? Like in the case of eBay, um, do I do a productized service? of um, service? Which is a bunch of examples of. So to give you an example, um, this fee for services model is basically, I have people and I have markup. So, which is basically in the form of bill rate and pay rate. I have a mark, a rate that I charge my customer. And then I have a rate that I pay my employee. That's a straight services model. And then these models all kind of level in areas of complexity. So if you think about the most complex ones, um, they are harder to build and they only work at scale. The example there would be advertising. Um, People were like, we're going to use advertising to get our revenue. And the answer is, that's great if you have a million unique visitors a month. But if you have 100 unique visitors a month, advertising is not a viable revenue model for you. So if you think about these as there's revenue models that work at launch and there's revenue models that work at scale. So I've broken them into basically their numeric order based on how complex they are. So in the case of commerce, that's number one, it's like Amazon and Amazon supply for business to business. Uh, they have key metrics, which is what's my cost of good in my average margin and my average basket. So if you're selling a product, whether you own the product or not, your basic revenue model is commerce. In the case of Moz or Salesforce.com, your model is subscription, so that's model number two. And there's key metrics that go with model number two. Uh, and the subscription business has to do with average revenue per user, conversion ratio from traffic, and churn—how much you lose on a on a monthly basis or annual basis. And obviously, I'm really hitting highlights. There's a bunch of details you drill down into with all of these uh, key metrics. But the idea is, is you don't have to. You don't have to create your own revenue model if you're doing a startup you just have to pick one of the 14 and use it you don't really have to create your own uh, which is a common problem with the startup founder space so if you look at transaction fee that's the next example that's number three elance is an example of a transaction fee or the company that rents books online called chug 99 uh, designs or kickstarter so basically they're not selling a product they're taking a transaction fee off the total price so in the case of Kickstarter, they're not selling you that thing you bought that was super cool, they're just taking a transaction fee. And it's, it's not really, it's transparent to the seller, um, not necessarily to the buyer. Number four is the example of productizing a service. And you'll see this a lot with early stage software companies that are trying to sell a complex solution that's hard to build, where they'll go out and build a semi-custom solution for a, vendor, for a customer and then they'll use that product to turn around and make it into a, uh, an actual subscription-based product. So in some ways, uh, Jillian, it's very much like your, your guys' early days of Moz, right? Where you That's did right. consulting work, and you launched it into a, into a product. And that, that is, the, if you think about it as a transition point, it's the transition point from a services business to a product business, but it's hard to do because people get very addicted to that revenue from services. So it's a oh, tough yes. leap. So super interesting that you guys did that. Number yes,
1: five
3: it's, it's, was the it's most not an easy path. Yeah. For sure. Number five was the most interesting from the data, and it was a combination models. It was somebody who did a transaction fee and a subscription, or a subscription fee and a service. But the service wasn't the lead revenue. The service was supporting revenue. So if you think of this one as Smartsheet in Seattle would be a great example. So 20% of their revenue is still delivered in professional services to their big clients because in order to buy the subscription you have to implement the product so by taking the friction out of it by professional services they're able to increase their sales and what we found was of all the revenue models combination revenue models actually mature fastest compared to single only revenue models Uh, number six is called marketplaces that one's easy it's like ebay and alibaba you have a marketplace of buyers and sellers you need to have Uh, You typically favor the seller first. In market uh, maturity, they have parity, but early on, you have to favor somebody. So the sellers get favored early in that, and that's average transaction revenue, number of monthly transactions, and the commission percentage um, that goes with it. So that's number six is marketplace. Number seven is lead generation. So if you're a consumer, you probably have interacted with mint.com, or if if you know all-star directories or a company called NetQuote, which is a company that basically captures lead format off the web and then takes that lead information and sells it to other companies. So in the case of mint, they give you a free service that monetizes based on uh, conversion to credit cards. Credit karma would be another example on the consumer side, but there's lots of businesses in this lead gen space, a highly competitive market. It basically means that you figured out a way that you can drive traffic, capture that data, and sell those leads to somebody cheaper than they can do it themselves. So for example, the insurance business. Number eight is uh, a fun one, it's called gaming. So if you think of uh, king.com or the people who own Candy Crush, um, they don't actually solve a problem per se, we all think in startup land, you need to solve a problem. A friend of mine named Dave Bloom said, I don't solve problems, I just have fun. And it's like duly noted, uh, they sold a company to Candy Crush and uh, King. And in the gaming world, there's great margins because you're selling virtual goods, but the key metrics for gaming is what, how many downloads do we get, What are our percent that play, and what's the average app purchase. And the side note there is you have this critical rule in gaming called the 21-day prediction of success. If somebody uses your product for 21 days, you really have a great customer. If they come in and download it, it's a vanity metric. So gaming is number eight. By the way, that one only works on consumers. Number nine is advertising and search. So if you think of Google and Facebook, those are examples of the advertising and search revenue model. Uh, you need obviously lots of traffic to make those work. It works at scale, but it doesn't work um, at launch. It's okay to have that in your strategy to launch at a later date, but know that initially advertising and search is not, the, the company could die before you're around long enough to actually uh, monetize and make it work. Number 10 is called new media. New media is kind of the favorite one. So Snapchat and WhatsApp is an example of new media, as was Pinterest and Facebook when it launched. You have what's your key factor there and your metric is called K factor or your viral coefficient. There's not a lot of companies that do this. And these are only business to consumer. Every once in a while, I'll have a B2B company say, we have a, we're going to go viral. And the answer is, no, you're not. You're going to get word of mouth. <laughs> right. You may have a network effect, but viral coefficient is calculated as a K factor. You can look it up online as a viral coefficient. And basically, for every company, for every person you buy, and again, consumer only, that activates your service, they will introduce and activate greater than two. If you have greater than two, you're in for a great uh, opportunity. Uh, So in case of Snapchat, where the network is part of the business, that's where those businesses really take off. So that's new media number 10. Number 11, we'll see. It's called Coins and Tokens, and the answer is the jury's still out with this one, and maybe it is a new model. Maybe it's not. I think it's a little too early to tell, but it's worth noting that it's one of only two new revenue models I've actually seen in the 5 years' span we've been watching this data. Um, and the other one, by the way, was Groupon, which ultimately pivoted to lead generation in commerce. So uh, they launched with a new revenue model, but they pivoted away from it to two very tried-and-true revenue models. There's three that can kill you unless you're at scale. So it's worth noting. One is called, it's a multi-sided marketplace. So if you think of Etsy, it's not just buyers and sellers, it's it's multi-sided marketplace. Those ones are really hard. Um, And again, at scale, maybe it works. But when you have somebody come to you and say, we're gonna do a multi-sided marketplace at a startup. My answer is I'm nauseous. My eyes roll back in my head. Please don't do that. Save yourself. Number 13 is called Big Data. It's a company like Patients Like Me where they have a massive amount of data um, about patients, you have to have the big data before you can sell it. Big data is a totally viable revenue model, but again, it's viable at scale, it's not viable at launch. And the last one which is worth noting is uh, called Panels, which is a company like Taluna, and there's other companies out there like this, where they have a panel of people that they can survey for you. But again, they have to have the panel before they can do the surveys. So it's a model that works at scale, but not at launch. So those are your 14 big ones. And I mentioned software licensing is the one that's dying. And uh, the important thing is they can go through this deck and just go, hey, listen, pick one. And it's okay to be wrong. Like we decided to go with subscription, but we're really transaction fee. Um, You know, I I remember talking with one founder who was like, well, our monthly recurring revenue is X. I'm like, well, how is that possible? You don't have a subscription. You have a transaction business. You can't be monthly recurring if you have new customers every month. It's good that you have recurring, you, you have ongoing revenue growth, but it's not recurring revenue unless it's a sp- subscription. But I think he had found that that was the way the investors wanted him to talk about it. So he started talking about it that way, even though that wasn't actually his revenue model. So that's the fast rundown on the, on the, uh, the 16 okay. total.
2: When we come back, we have to take another break for um, our uh, sponsors. But when we come back, uh, we always like to have our guests offer three uh, top tips. But first, we might like to have you talk about uh, which model you'd award most likely to succeed. So this is CEO Coach with Dave Parker, and we'll be right back.
0: More on how to get your business on the web with CEO Coach after this. enterprise-level podcast into production at a very reasonable rate. Email brasco at wmr.fm. You are now tuned in to the world's largest online radio podcast network for internet marketers looking to dominate the B2B marketplace. WebmasterRadio.fm
4: WP Engine gives you the flexibility to build it your way. Improve your SEO and conversion rates with a faster site on WP Engine. Learn more on WPEngine.com.
0: We're back with Julian Music and Ann Kennedy on CEO Coach, only on WebmasterRadio.fm.
2: Welcome back to CEO Coach. We've been talking today about revenue models with Seattle investor Dave Parker. Dave, we conclude most of our episodes of CEO Coach with top tips listeners can take away. But first, please tell our listeners about your six-month startup program and where to reach you. And also, of course, about your upcoming book.
3: Yeah, you bet. So, you know, six-month startup was a program. So I used to run all the programming globally for Startup Weekend. And one of the things that we saw consistently was people would come on a Startup Weekend. They would be like, I'm going to quit my day job. And I'm like, whoa, wait, like take six months and figure out if this is actually an idea that your customer cares about. And so what Six Month Startup is designed for both the program and the forthcoming book is a set of milestones that are based on what can you accomplish this month? So for example, ideation, research, uh, and competitive analysis. You can all get that done in a month. Um, Where month four talks about revenue models and marketing strategies and pricing and sales and month five is about how are you going to go fund fundraise so the so the program is designed to be a a forcing function of time to go help you hit your milestones uh to get your startup launched and some people will be like can i do it faster and the answer is of course you can you just have to get to all the customer interviews faster which is always the challenge because your customer interviews are outside of your time frame you actually have to wait on the customers to give you the interview time so, um, that's the program, and you can, you can find it on dkparker.com as well on my, my main website. We haven't, we've, we started to create a new site for it, but right now everything's on uh, dkparker.com. So, the next question I guess you asked was, what's, what's my favorite model? I think the, favorite kind of tough. I think the, the one that is most common in the biggest shift is the shift to subscription revenue models in particular, and you'll hear people call them SaaS. Um, no one ever said, we ship a box of software. So I would encourage founders to not think about it as software as a, as a service, because there's a lot of software as a service, cloud-based products that don't sell on a subscription basis. They sell on a transaction fee basis, Is an example. So uh, think about it as a subscription. The reason I like subscriptions, fast, and that's the trend, is they have the highest enterprise value relative to revenue, which means the companies are worth the most relative to their recurring revenue models. And you'll hear it called ARR, Annual Recurring Revenue, or MRR, Monthly Rec- Recurring Revenue. And it is the truest form of predictable revenue is that monthly recurring revenue. Now, having said that, I would say the, what we saw in the data of the 2,600-funded companies is the companies that went from C round of funding to A round and from A round of funding to B round fastest actually were combination revenue models, which was a total surprise. Because in venture land, we always say, focus on one thing. You can do this one thing. You don't have time to do more than one thing. And the answer is actually combination revenue models were more successful based on time to raise capital. If That's a gaining factor of success. And in this data set, that's obviously one of the factors of success. So. Uh, the biggest takeaway, though, is just pick one. Don't try to create your own. These are tried and true. There's six plus years of track record with them. There, I, if, by the way, if you discover a seventeenth, I have no credit authorship to be willing to change my doc. Um, so the the idea of the um, product as a service was one that someone challenged me with early on, and and I was like, you know what? That's actually that's actually a great point. And I'm on the board of a company that does that. I didn't even think about it that way. Um, so, you know, it, this is a bit of a learning process. But like I said, in five years, there's been two new revenue models. And we'll see if coins and tokens really are going to work or not.
1: Absolutely. In in many ways, uh, coins and tokens are more like, you know, chits and coupons. So we want to see how that all plays out. So I think your your top deal would be, well, if you're looking for the most likely to raise capital quickly, combo models actually work. Um, Your most likely to succeed revenue model, so that's kind of a, a, I don't know, a a bonus tip, if you will, would be uh, this subscription service because it really has a high enterprise value, the ARR and MRR, and it's the truest form of predictable revenue. I think your tip number two is just pick one, get on with it, and certainly validate your markets and so on, but pick one. Now, what is your hot tip number three?
3: Yeah, I, you know I think the the big thing is understand that the business model has three parts to it, and it's how you um, not, it's, it's more than just a product and service. It's how you sell it. So one of the things we look at as we look at the data from early stage companies is you need to know things like what's your cost of customer acquisition to lifetime value ratio. And for example, if it's if you're a b two b company and it's less than five, you're gonna have a really hard time getting funded. And if it's B2C and it's less than 10, you're gonna have a really hard time getting funded. It doesn't mean it's not a good business, but you need to know your data. And the cost of selling is the piece you're missing in order to get to your profitability. So if you go back to that original then we talked about in the first section, there's Mm -hmm. how do I create value? How do I capture value? Or how do I deliver value, number two, through sales marketing? And how do I capture value through profitability, is number three. Have a hypothesis because if you ignore the bottom two, you won't get funded just because you don't have the data, and you have to have that as a place to start.
1: That's absolutely. Brilliant. You've you've wrapped you know six tips into it. Knowing your data, you won't get funded without it. Um, if you're going to uh, understand your entire business model, look at those three pieces to the Venn diagram. How are you going to build? How are you going to deliver and how are you going to profit from what you're building? Uh, And I think, Anne, we may be out of time.
2: We are. Before we go, Dave, tell people once again how to get hold of you and if they're interested in your six-month startup uh, program or your book, where they can find those
3: things. You bet. They can find, uh, contact my information and all of the content for both the book and program at uh, www.dk. Parker.com, just my name. So, dkparker.com. And you can find information there about six months startup, the program. And if you want to bring the program to your city, love to talk with you about that too. We're expanding to five new cities uh, this quarter.
2: Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us. You bet. Thank you. Thank you. And that's it for this episode of CEO Coach. We'd like to thank our sponsors at Webmaster Radio for their support. You can download these shows at webmasterradio.fm forward slash shows forward slash CEO dash coach and also at iTunes, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, and many other places around the web. You can find links and more on Facebook. Our Facebook page, which is called CEO Coach Podcast. Do stop by and hit the like button so we know you were there and tell us what you'd like to hear about on CEO Coach. Thanks for joining us. I'm Ann Kennedy with Jillian Music, and you can find out more about how we help companies to launch, grow, pivot, and thrive at OutlinesVenture.com. Till next time.